Well, as we continue on our fall sermon series, we've arrived at the seventh commandment, probably one of the ones that is frequently misunderstood and frequently broken in our culture, in our day and age. And you need to understand, I've said this before when I've been addressing the commandments, you need to understand what the commandments are about. And I mean that not just in terms of the letter of the law, because people love to quote the letter of the law, especially when it's convenient for them. That's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did. And it's very interesting how people want to restrict what God's intention and design is, which is, what, which is one way you understand more is when you read in Exodus 20, where the Ten Commandments are stated the first time, and then by the time you get to Deuteronomy chapter 5, when they're stated in this, the second time, in the first five books of the Old Testament, what you find is the commandments have been elaborated on to get to the heart of them, to help you to unpack them, to help you to understand that it's not just about the letter of the law, it's our hearts, it's our attitudes, it's our values. It influences our moral life, it influences our godly life. And that's why it's really uh, important to understand and to see By the time you get to the New Testament, it's done again, more, and in a way that really gets to the heart of the matter. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you just look at the two readings, and these are just two samples that we have today in your bulletin, 1 Corinthians 6 and Matthew's Gospel, where Jesus is talking about, I say to you not just about adultery, but looking on a person with lust. That's really getting to the heart of it. But Jesus is saying, understand, there is a context, and he says it in another place in the gospel, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two become one one flesh. There is a context in which a sexual relationship is healthy. But outside of that, you're looking on a person in lust. You don't have a healthy attitude, relationship, mindset towards that person. Why? Because you're treating them as an object, not a person. Not the way God intended to have a loving relationship toward one another. And this has gotten more and more confusing in our culture, but when did it really begin in earnest in our culture? Fifty years ago. Fifty years ago, there was a sociologist by the name of Martin Hunt that really in many ways laid the foundation. He said, human beings by nature are polygamists. Surprise. That means that you're not really made because of our fallen human nature to be monogamous. I'm sure that comes as a shock to some of you. But there is temptation outside of monogamy. And that happens to almost everyone because we are sexual beings. But we have to remember why we're sexual beings. Because God created us that way. Because God created us and designed us for a purpose. We were created in his image to reflect his nature. But when sin entered the world and we became fallen, that became corrupt. And so we see in the late 60s, 69... We see Woodstock and the counterculture 
revolution and the sexual revolution and free love, all of a sudden, all this is rushing in on the American culture. And there's an onslaught. And that's what happened. That just laid the foundation. To the point today, it was interesting, I opened an email from ACNA, Anglican Church in North America, right? My email. And on the side of it was uh, an ad for Ashley Madison. Life is short, have an affair. And I'm thinking, what a contrast. What are they doing? They're in your face. They're trying to tempt you. That's what they're doing. I'm looking up a church for someone who moved, and then I get this ad, and I'm thinking, geez, that's amazing. But then you go to Facebook, and what do you find in Facebook? 51 sexual expressions and identities. 51. How do you keep track? I'm not exaggerating. It's interesting how the Supreme Court right now is taking up what has been called sexualism. Defining what sex really is and what gender identity really is. The Supreme Court. There you go. Our culture has changed radically. Radically. If you really don't understand what's going on, all you need to do is just pay attention to the media and to what's on television and to what advertisements are about. You know, it's really, really fascinating that Hollywood, that claims to be a bastion for women's rights and treating people well, is also a bastion for treating women as objects, sex objects, and now men too. And there's constant violence and brutality. See, as long as they can make money, they can speak out of both sides of their mouth. That sex is a common thing and violence is a common thing. And abuse is a common thing. And yet at the same time, speak out against it. Which is it? Where are your values really? That's really the question. And Well, if we can make money from it, why not? We can say something else. I don't think that's how God intended it. And what's happened is, is that the slave trade is exploding. What I mean by the slave trade, the sex trade. There are more slaves now, most of them because of sex trafficking and pornography, than there have been ever before. Do you understand what's going on here? We live in a sex crazed, sex-worshipping culture. That's what's going on here. Where everybody deserves to have whatever they want sexually. Where the new norm is sexual fulfillment, not God's way. Which is why 
I just read this article a couple weeks ago. Polyamory. How many here know what polyamory is? Multiple partners in marriage. The next sexual frontier. And I don't know who did the poll. Don't blame me. 24% of church members approve of it. Church members. Multiple partners. I said 30 years ago, or more, that once you begin to knock down the barriers, fornication, homosexuality, bisexuality, pretty soon monogamy is going to go by the wayside because you've redefined God's way of doing things. Why look to the scripture? You don't look to the scripture for sexual expression and sexual relationships. Why look to scripture for how marriage is intended to be, which is monogamous. That's why things are changing. It's important to understand that. And they will continue to change. This will probably appall some of you, surprise some of you, and not surprise some of you. Pedophilia. I know of at least five countries that have lobbying groups trying to get pedophilia legalized. Canada, the United States, Netherlands, Denmark, Belgium, just to name a few. Why? Because after all, it's about love and it doesn't do any harm because sex is pleasurable. That's the justification. When it's about, allegedly, love. See, because we've lost sight of what love is in God's eyes, which is holy. God is love and God is holy. And he wants to tell us how relationships work best. That's what he has in mind and desire for us, so that we would seek to do relationships his way. We were created in his image, but we have fallen because of sin. And therefore, we will oftentimes twist what he has in mind for us, whether we twist it legally or whether we twist it morally or whether we twist it in terms of what God's real design is, however you want to say it. We will corrupt it. Just like nuclear power can be for good and the Internet can be used for good, it can be used for evil. Same idea. And so we as the church need to seek to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. To do it his way. You know, we say by nature or by nurture or by both. Our nature is a sinful nature. But when we come to God through Jesus Christ and we give ourselves to him, It means that we are meant to be transformed into his image, into his way, and do relationships his way. So our nature can be transformed by him, no matter what our defect is. Because we all have them. It's called sin. We all have defects. Be honest. You do. I do. My defect might be different than your defect, but we're all defected. 
And we need to be transformed. That's God's grace. That's God's power working in our lives. See, but we can say, well, I want to follow my flesh and follow that nature. See, that's a problem. Because if we always follow our nature, we will corrupt relationships around us. Apart from him. Apart from the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And so, why does Jesus go to, when he's talking about adultery and that commandment, why does he go to lust? You've heard it said, but I say to you, don't lust. Why? Because it basically shows that any sexual sin begins in our minds, begins in our hearts. And we need to combat that temptation at that point before we act on it. That's why. And basically, if you look what Jesus says throughout the scriptures, he adheres to, a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That is the proper place for sexual expression. Outside of that, when you're not doing what God intends for you to do in terms of sexual relationship and intimacy and marriage, then it becomes lustful. That's what he's saying. And that's why we misunderstand so often talking about sexual fulfillment and we all deserve it. Because most of the time it is outside the context of marriage or, let's go back to the Roman Empire, in the context of marriage, but oh, by the way, I have a mistress and I'm a concubine and I've got anything else I want. Because after all, I I deserve to be sexually fulfilled. That was the Roman Empire. And Jesus and Paul came into that and said, this is what holy love looks like. It's in the context of cherishing one another in marriage. That is what holy love looks like. You know what the word adulterative or When you adulterate something, you contaminate it, you make it unpure. That's the definition. See, all the other relationships that I have outside of my marriage, if I step over the line, I have made that relationship unpure. I've contaminated that relationship because God desires for me to treat everyone as my brother and sister in Christ. That's a different relationship. And that's why we need to understand what God's design and desire is for us. You can be attracted to lots of people. But you don't sleep with everyone you're attracted to. We have so many famous euphemisms in our culture today to basically dodge the issue. You know what I mean by that? Yeah, well, we're just living together. And, and that's it? Just living together? That's all you're doing? I don't think so. Or we're just taking a vacation together. Really, that's all you're doing? I don't think so. They're euphemisms. For what? If you're not married, usually having sex outside of marriage. We call people partners. We call them significant others. 
There's so many different ways for us to skirt the issue of fornication, adultery, homosexuality, bisexuality, whatever it is. We skirt the issue. Because after all, everyone deserves to be sexually fulfilled, don't they? I mean, that's really what our culture will tell you. And see, that's lusting. Let me read to you from Scripture. First of all, Colossians chapter 3. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire. Isn't it interesting that those are listed first? See, those are such powerful drives. That's why now that the culture has overrun the morals of the church, almost anything goes, and almost anything is considered okay. Because it is such a strong drive in our culture. Leviticus. Leviticus talks about adultery and says, those people need to be killed. And by the time you get to the New Testament, Jesus says, like in our reading today, pluck out your eye. Why? Radical steps. Radical steps. That's why it's so difficult. You know what? Even if you plucked out my eye, I could probably still lust. You want to bet? Why? Because it's in my heart. It's in my mind. And that's what God wants to transform by the power of his Holy Spirit. And you know, part of the problem today and where this has led along the way is to pornography. You know, you're already treating people not the way God intended in relationships. See, we now take it a step further. Now they are clearly objects. The people in pornography are are being objectified by the people that are filming them and sometimes against their will. And those who watch pornography are treating those on the screen in front of them as objects instead of people to be loved. And pornography has led to a lot of sex trafficking. See, we miss the boat when we really see how this ball started rolling and how it's dehumanizing. As God intended for us to be humans that we would cherish each other, that we would cherish this that he gave us, as Paul said, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we miss the point. It's not because God is a killjoy, it's because God loves us. And he wants what's best for us in relationships. Which means you are single and celibate until you get married or if you get married. And then you stay faithful because he is faithful. And that's why pornography is so destructing and destructive. 
It's still the number one use of the internet today. Does that tell you anything? It's a problem. Because we are so sex crazed and sex worshiping. And it's everywhere. Marriage makes holy a relationship. It sanctifies a relationship. Because the word sanctify means separate. That I am setting myself apart for this person. To love and to cherish. That's why over and over again, I mean, Gene Wheatley talked about this in a class for a number of weeks. And there's a book entitled, From Genesis to Revelation, God Takes a Bride. So many times in scripture. But there's the reference to Jesus is the bridegroom. And the church is the bride. It's that loving relationship. It's that cherishing relationship. It's that relationship of sacrificial love. And that's why that image is used. And anything else, any other sexual expression is sexual exploitation. I am exploiting the other person and I'm exploiting my own body. That's what scripture says. Paul went so far to say, is sinning against my own body. And we corrupt. You know, it's amazing the reasons that people give for doing that. Well, it's convenient for us to live together. Well, we bought a house together. Or, you know, financially this makes more sense. I mean, there's so many reasons to compromise. But the bottom line reason is that we lust and we follow our lusts and we don't wait for God's way. And you can look at yourself in so many different areas and say the same thing. That we wait for God's way. That we seek to experience life his way. Love his way. That's his call. That's his call. You know, another way to put it is our love is supposed to be pure. Because he is pure. Our love is supposed to be holy because he is holy. And so we turn to him for forgiveness. Psalm 51 says it so well that he will wash us and we will become white as snow. It's like the wedding dress. White. The bride. That God does that for us through Jesus Christ. Because we all sin and we all fail and we all fall short. That God sent his son Jesus for us and he went to the cross out of his sacrificial love so that he could win his bride. So that he could transform 
his bride. So that we might wear the wedding gown and be white as snow. This is about going to him and deciding to live life his way. This is about going to him and saying, Lord, I want to be yours. I want to follow you your way. I want to do relationships your way. Holy love. Like any other realm of our lives, forgiveness is about holy love. Dealing with our anger is about holy love. Dealing with our sexual relationships is about holy love. It's treating the other person the way God intended and not as an object to be exploited. God wants to remake his people. And it begins with healthy relationships. And when it comes to a sexual relationship, there is one. The marriage between a man and a woman. Because if we would be his bride, we need to live with holy love as his church. Let's pray. Lord God, today is All Saints Sunday in our calendar. A day when we are reminded that we are called to be your saints in this world. To be saintly, to be godly, to be set apart for you. Set apart for a healthy love relationship with you and healthy love relationships with each other. That our love would be holy. That our love would be pure. That our love would reflect the relationships that you describe. That you reveal in your word. Lord, save us from euphemisms that hide the truth. Save us from false ways of living that hurt us and hurt others. And teach us what it means to love as you love, with a holy love. Transform us by the power of your Spirit so that we are enabled, empowered to live the way you call us to live. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.